This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. I feel like we owe two apologies here, Kyle, my yep. friend. Apology number one, we are sorry for going almost two weeks between Flagrant Howls episodes. I was moving halfway across the country, and you were uh, in Hawaii, and actually, you were in town for that Wizards game, but I, that's the day that my movers were in town. So we just, like, life kind of got in the way. It won't happen again. Nope. Well, we can't promise that. So we're <laughs> sorry. We're sorry. We're also sorry on behalf of the Minnesota Timberwolves organization as a whole from top to bottom, from Tim Connolly down to Chris Finch down to the effort that Anthony Edwards gave you last night. You know, maybe in retrospect, a load management night off wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but now you probably can't because of what you said at the All-Star break. Um, so we're sorry for not being here for you the last two weeks, and we're sorry for this godforsaken basketball team that continues to pull the rug out from underneath everybody. Yeah, no, uh, I made the courageous decision to fly back to Minneapolis uh, for that Wizards game. I had a wedding with my wife's best friend, and uh was pretty excited for the Wolves to go into the All-Star break. Um, since the last time, you know, Ant made it, and he's going to be an All-Star representing the Timberwolves. You have this kind of, not a cakewalk game against the Wizards, but you're at home. The vibes are really good. They're up, I think, by 20 in the first quarter. Um, and I there's, there's moments in your life that you'll never forget where you were. Uh, that Wizards you, game is one of them. <laughs> I will never forget where I was in Target Center when there's three seconds left on the shot clock and Ant is all up in Kyle Kuzma's grill. And Kyle Kuzma throws this knuckleball from the yeah. top of the key in to take the lead for the first time in the game. And it was a one-point lead, but that was it. That might have been it for the season. Uh, it was a death blow. And the vibes could not have been worse after that um, until, of course, they came back from their week-long vacation and had one of the worst performances against a lowly Hornets team that has no interest in winning. So, yeah, um, appreciate everyone understanding the week. We both were kind of moving and shaking around the, the globe, but uh, we're back. And I don't know about you, but I have I have some things I'd, I'd like to talk about. Let's so. Yeah, let's turn this into a therapy and vent session here in just a moment. But uh, I want to I want to get the, the 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 partnership words out of the way here because um, there's something I have to admit to all of you to you Kyle <laughs> to you the audience. My name is Phil, and I have recently suffered from dull kitchen knives. <laughs> That's Me right. Too. It's uh it's embarrassing trying to slice those tomatoes, and my knives are so dull that the tomato just squishes and squirts out sideways, hits the dog in the eye, you know. <laughs> Uh, don't even get me started. I like to make a homemade sweet potato fry sometimes oh, in the air yeah. fryer. You yep. can't even like put a dent into a sweet potato with my dull ass knives from a few months ago. It's very embarrassing. Out in public, the finger pointing. I see all of you judging me, <laughs> my dull kitchen knives. That's why I'm thrilled to have discovered MyDullKnives.com, where the folks at Vivrant will have you, uh, they will mail you a safe and professional kit that you can send your little dull knives on a vacation 
Kyle goes on vacation to Hawaii. Your knives are going to go on a vacation to Wyzetta, to uh, to the Vivrant shop, and they will get a professional. It's like sending off to a spa, right? Like it's like a knife pedicure, basically, that you're going to give these things. They're going to come back in just a few days. Vivrant will even send you replacement knives if you want to. It is a game-changing experience in the kitchen. Y'all have kitchen knives out there. How many of you have actually had them professionally sharpened, okay? (laughs) Don't live in shame like I did. MyDollKnives.com. That's MyDollKnives.com. All right. What pisses you off the most about the Timberwolves? Go. I this I think I think I've covered the team now for seven years. This has been the the the, the toxicity and the frustration by the fan base. I include myself. That is where I live. Is in the fan base has never been worse. And I saw last night you were doing blame pie. So I don't know if we wanted to maybe start baking that thing. Um, even though we don't I have mean, the knives to cut it. But uh, do you want to do a do you want to do a pie chart? Well, I wouldn't mind doing a pie chart. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with uh, the Mackie and Judd intro here. Now on Mackie and Make it Judd. official. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, here it is. Here's Kyle's pie chart of Timberwolves blame. Chris Finch is 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 in the mix. Um, there isn't a player on this team that's not somewhere in the mix. But this goes back to again. Um, I think it was July 3rd, 2022, when the Timberwolves make the blockbuster trade for Rudy Gobert. Um, I've spent an, uh, a week on a remote island just trying to collect my thoughts, change as a person. I just, I keep coming around to Tim Connolly and the easy runway he had to land this plane or take this plane off or whatever. He had been here for a couple months. He has a good mm-hmm. coach, he has a good roster, he has all the picks. The vibes have really never been better. And the gamble that they took, I don't think is, is dead. I don't think this is a lost cause. I don't think this is franchises doomed. I mean, I was thinking about this watching the Sixers and the Celtics play. I think it was yesterday. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers traded from 3-1 to one a handful of years ago, gave up assets to go from Jason Tatum to Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. That is, they, they, they basically traded away an all NBA MVP candidate for a guy that they ruined and had to trade away for like, I think two second round picks. And they're still really good. This wasn't a death blow to the Timberwolves, but God damn it. Did that man really just ruin the vibes and put a, a dark cloud over all of this that just every time, you know, like last night, the, the wolves, here's a great example. The wolves were three point underdogs against the warriors on the road without two of their three best players. Yes, the Warriors were without Steph and Draymond, but they lost by five. That was what kind of Vegas thought they should do. But because they don't have this pick and because they don't have their two other best players, don't know if we, we don't even know if they fit together, there's just so much added stuff that's on a fan's mind now that really makes this not, not only not fun, <laughs> um, but like you can't escape. You can't, I like, don't like looking at Twitter now because it's just like, just one punching bag after another, one joke after another. Um, and it's tough. It's tough watching yesterday Jared Vanderbilt ball out for the Lakers, help them yeah. win a game, and then the whole national media be like, wow, who's this Vando guy? And I'm just staring at my screen like, dude, I know who that Vando guy is. He was awesome for the Timberwolves. And Tim Connolly traded him away not once in Denver, but twice when he got back here. Um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's really hard. And I sympathize so much being back at Target Center for that Wizards game. The crowd was electric. It was a cold night, at least for my soft, frail skin. Um, And people still showed up and were so loud and so passionate. And to have the product these last couple weeks just fall flat on its face, um, the trades they've made, the things they owe, all this stuff. I I don't think all hope is lost, Phil. But man, I just... You had to have factored this in when you made the risk and the the move you did because now you've pinned yourself into this corner where you have to hit on every move. And I like the D'Lo trade. I thought they got some good players back and some good assets. Mm-hmm. But from a talent perspective, you got worse. I don't I – don't, I just – for the short term, like, you just got worse from – they don't have a lot of scores all of a sudden. They don't have the ability to just get a bucket. I think Mike Conley's been pretty good, but they're one in four since he's been playing. Um, it's not all his fault, but – it's just, it's a really bad environment right now, and it sucks because this team had to do so much to build up to where they were in April of last, of 2022. And I just keep thinking back to, like, what if, what if? I mean, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly's gone to Chicago for two games. I don't know if he's scored, but they have beaten their two opponents by, like, a combined 60 points. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's a frustrating time and I see it. I mean, I'm just tagged in random tweets. You and I are tagged in random things being like, it's mostly what people do do? calling us and me idiots forever <laughs> believing. And this is where it's hard. Like I don't disagree with anything you just said. And, 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 and maybe we are guilty of talking about everything and anything except Tim Connolly a lot this season. And so let's, let's spend some time on a guy that we really don't know a whole lot about. He hasn't done much media. He mm-hmm. literally came in, uh, organized his desk for five minutes and made one of the biggest trades in NBA history. Mm-hmm. I've hesitated to savage him for this because number one, I thought it was a good trade, not a trade that they won, mm-hmm. not a trade that um, was going to blast them into you know championship contention, but I thought. Fixing your major problems, which are rim protection and rebounding in one fell swoop. Patrick Beverly's going to age out at some point. Mm-hmm. You can get first-round picks back. I wasn't even really concerned about the first-round picks. Being able to keep Jade McDaniels and the fact that you wouldn't make a trade like this. This is what I was leaning on, and maybe I'm just an idiot. And all of you who've called me an idiot, maybe you're right about this. <laughs> maybe you're right about this. Why would you... This wasn't David Kahn coming in with imposter syndrome trying to prove that he belongs as a general manager or a pobo in the NBA 15 years ago, right? This is Tim Connolly, highly respected. The, and you talked to people at, at the, I think it was uh, in the summer league time, like, yeah. you know, 10 months ago or seven, eight months ago on the Denver side that raved about, boy, how are they going to recover from this? I mean, this is like, this is a guy that's beloved and wise. Why would a guy like that come over, doesn't have to do anything like you just said, and make a trade like that if it wasn't 90% a sure thing? But then what he would probably argue is, hey, my vision was to watch Cat and Gobert play 82 games together. And on the Conley, the, the, Mike, the Mike Conley trade, there's Tim Conley and Mike Conley. So we have to enunciate when we say this. Um <laughs> Mike Conley is here for two reasons. Number one, the Wolves wanted to preserve the salary slot for a likely departing D'Angelo Russell. All right, There was a, yep. an organizational yep. framework reason for that trade. And number two, Mike Conley is a better stirrer of the drink, an organizer of offense, bringer together of people 
than D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell is more like a scoring mercenary that gets hot for a couple weeks here and there, sometimes stirs the drink, but he's kind of erratic in what you can expect from him. Not that, my, and again, D'Lo's a better player than Mike Conley. Mike Conley, I still think, when everyone's healthy, is a better fit for these Timberwolves than D'Angelo Russell. But they've started one and four. He played 33 minutes and scored no points in one of those games. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the vibes are off, like you said. So I've, like, maybe mistakenly just sort of bought into there's no there's no way Tim Connolly is this bad and incompetent at his job. There's no way they do that level of due diligence that he builds up that pedigree in Denver and comes over here and the emperor has no clothes. I, I, like, that's what I'm having a hard time even wrapping my head around here as we analyze this mess that we're staring at. And, you know... You brought up a good point. Again, I'm just mad. Um, and I think I represent a lot of people that are just mad and frustrated. Um, but it also, you really can't discuss the season without discussing Carl. Um, what, whatever you think about Carl, watching that Warriors game again was such a great example that talent, just flat out talent, wins games. Yeah. And the Wolves have some good young talent. But you go back and look at the box score, like even last night against the Warriors. I know people don't love hearing this. But the Wolves last night, without Gobert, and now without D'Lo and without Carl, the Wolves are like one of the youngest teams in the league right now, playing rotation guys. Outside of Kyle Anderson last night, and obviously Mike Conley, it was like Ant, Nas Reed, Jaden, Nate Knight, Luca Garza, Jordan McLaughlin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Those guys are all under 24. In Golden State, at Chase Center, against you know a team like Clay that all they needed was Clay and Poole to kind of get hot. Um, but yeah, they haven't had, what, 50 now, some games of the... All NBA third team center. Yeah. This has been a season from hell. But I just wonder for all the analytics and all the people in that front office and stuff, like when you're going through these meetings in the summer and you're like, okay, if we do this, do do they like rationalize it from like a fan's perspective? Or like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Like what if Carl like what if what if Carl does miss 60 games? Like, how does it all work? And it's just been um it's not rock bottom by any means. Again, I don't think I don't think it's also that hard to pick up the pieces. I think once they get rid of one of these first first round picks that they owe and try to acclimate more of this. Um, but my biggest fear and the the vitriol that comes behind all of this is that I actually like the deal trade. I really did like the deal trade because I think it was I think Doogie was on here with you guys earlier. And saying again, like, they were never going to re-sign him. Tim just didn't want to do that. Yeah. And by the way, they lost to a lot of really bad teams and had similar performances. (laughs) With them. (laughs) For years with D'Lo. Like, people act like, oh, what are you going to do now? Well, it's not like they reached lofty heights with D'Lo. So, let's calm down a little bit. And again, I think Mike Conley, like, last night in that phoretic kind of final few seconds, like Mike Conley had that chase down kind of tip behind steal that gave them an opportunity to tie the game. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan McLaughlin missed the three. Um, but I think Mike Conley's looked pretty good. I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker has looked really good. He's a restricted free agent this summer. I would be borderline shocked if they don't retain him. Um, being back there and getting to talk to some people finally, like Finch loves him. People are really high on him. Um, but again, it's just all of a sudden this roster without Carl and without Rudy, it's just like, it looks almost like it's devoid of talent. And it's like, how is this, how is this possible? Yeah. The, the other thing too, I keep thinking about is, you know, Van, Vando just doing Vando things with the Lakers oh here God, and like Walker Kessler eyeballs. doing Walker Kessler things. 
how and Nas Reed had a was it a career high thirty points? Career high 30? thirty points. Twelve for twenty two. Four from eleven from three. Five steals. Two blocks. I mean, again, you know, in Tim's defense, and I'm trying, Tim. If you're listening, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to. I am trade too. I, I'm, I'm trying to just be patient here, but it's... they didn't trade him, right? So you traded D'Lo because you kind of publicly, without saying it, said we're not going to pay him. So we got to go get you know a point guard on a contract, extend the salary slot, drink, um, get a young player that we can kind of mold, get some picks. Um, but you didn't trade Nas, and there was rumors that you were. Well, now you now you got to pay him. Like I don't, I don't really know if you know, Mark and Alex I know are supposed to make their next payment this March and then whatever. I don't know who's really running the ship right now, but whoever is just has to cut the check for Nas Reed because that guy is way too valuable. Even when he his bads are really bad, but his goods, thirty points and nine rebounds on national TV against the Warriors, he was cooking Kevon Looney. Uh, you can't afford to let that guy walk out the door for nothing. So if he asks for twelve, that's a lot of money. Well, well yeah, but it's, but you got to pay him. It, it, but think about this though: if if you had Nas for let's say twelve or even fifteen million dollars, if he really mm-hmm. plays hardball, right? Is there mm-hmm. any world where he gets twenty from some team? I don't. Not a lot of teams have the cap space this year. Like it's a weird mm-hmm. cap space summer. But uh, uh four eighty for Nas seems like a lot. But I mean, four sixty, you know, could could be a thing. I think what's kind of crazy here is if, if I were to tell you this is going to be a really depressing question, but <laughs> all right, you can have cat. Vando, Nas Reed, and Walker Kessler as your stable of big men. Yeah. Or you can have Nas Reed, I'll say Luca Garza, who might be part of the future here too. And he's he's been he's, he's, he's been excellent say. in short stints. Yep. Um Rudy Gobert taking up forty to fifty million dollars a year and Carl Anthony Towns. Like just not having Vando and not having Walker Kessler, the like Walker Kessler making $35, $40 million less than Rudy Gobert and maybe being a better player per 36 minutes that you don't feel obligated to even have to play for 36 minutes because he's Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of Walker Kessler. Some nights, it's a Walker Kessler game. Yep. And he's going to get out there and do Walker Kessler things. Other nights, eh. Now the opposing team's playing small ball, Walker. Uh, we're going to play you like 12, 15 minutes, and you're going to sit on the bench. No hard feelings because he's a rookie, right? Yep. I almost feel like just swapping Walker Kessler and Rudy Gobert was a bad trade for the Timberwolves and the Wolves. Like I've kind of come all the way around after watching Walker Kessler play, you know, fifty games or whatever it is this season. That, well, dude, I remember when Walker Kessler was drafted, a being not like I don't, I don't think he's going to be any good. So again, I am very well aware of being an idiot. But I was like, I we've don't been know. wrong a lot in the last like. And yet people keep listening. Uh, I was like, man, that doesn't make any sense at all. And not only did it not make sense to my little pea brain when it comes to basketball, but then you flipped him for a center that you can't really sit and that does make, you know, 10x of a salary and all that stuff. And again, this is for the five football fans listening. This is like my I keep going back to the Jason Pierre Paul thing when he blew off a finger on the 4th of July. Like the Wolves literally made this trade on the the Wolves blew off a finger at the 4th of July. And we have nine fingers now. You can still live your life and do good things and make the Pro Bowl, but it just has made it's it's becoming more and more evident that you made an all-in-ish move in a very risky move, and you didn't really have like the safety mechanisms in place to protect yourself from. I mean, I, I'm I have no thoughts today. I have no agenda. Like spiraling out of control. Like Anthony Edwards, for example, was terrible last night. Um, 
And again, it's actually defensible to lose a game on the road when you're an underdog, when your best player plays bad. The problem is it's why you can't lose to the Hornets, like, or the Wizards, or the Rockets, or the Pistons, or the Bobcats, or any other team that's ever existed that doesn't win 20 games. Like, if you just win those games, you can go lose to Golden State. But you've just made this bed for yourself now where every game is increasingly more pressure. And now you got this kid who you said at the top, Anthony Edwards probably should take a night off. But then he made his own bed by saying what he said at All-Star Game, being like, I love to play. I love that he said it. I'm and glad that too. he said it because he's that right. Was, he was right. And that was a Kobe Bryant-esque, Michael Jordan-esque moment. I mean, it was authentic. It wasn't. He doesn't go into those things with talking points, dude. He was just like, what could you change about the league? He's like, I don't know. I hate everyone sitting. Mm-hmm. He's right. But he, again, last night, seven assists, five turnovers. Those turnovers are killer. He had more turnovers, I think, than the rest of the starters. Like, he just didn't have it last night. As we continue the blame pie, he doesn't get a good whistle. Uh, I thought maybe making an all-star team would help. He just does not get a good whistle. And post-game, Chris Hine was on the scene from the Star Tribune and was asking Finch, and Finch was like, I don't, I don't get it. And my counter to that is like, Finch, I don't get it either. But like, going back to what I said in general, get tossed. Just get thrown out of a game. If you're really upset, um, there's one thing that I'll give Bill Simmons credit for. And I I do believe in the body language, doctor. And watching Chris Finch's body language sometimes in these games, it's just like, if I was a young player, it's just like every time you look over at the bench, he's like exasperated. And I get it. I'm not, you should be exasperated. I'm exasperated on my couch. But it just, that doesn't really, like, well, I don't know, like, talk about it. You covered sports way longer than I have. It just doesn't yes. seem like the right energy to be showing to your players. I don't see Steve Kerr exasperated by his team's play. And they play a lot of young, two-way guys. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries. I just don't see that level of, like, oh, my team turned the ball over for the fourth straight possession. Like, call a timeout. Fix it. Run a play. Set it, something up. Like, this, he's this kind is kind your he's job. Got- Yes, he's got like the sort of the pursed lips, frustrated, stressed out, rubbing the back of his neck sort of a thing. The body language is really interesting. And, and the word I used on Twitter last night was just uninspiring. And uh, and got, got, where I was kind of coming from, just watching that game wrap up, and you could see it coming from a mile away too. And then, of course, like as the Wolves are kind of melting down, of course the Warriors just, Clay Thompson's hitting freaking Bank, like just turnaround. Yeah, just ridiculous <laughs> Turn back the clock shots. It was just all put in a stew and served to the Timberwolves last night. Um, but what I said is the, the Wolves basically have two big levers they can pull in the last 19 games here. The Carl Anthony Towns returns lever from the longest calf strain injury apparently in NBA history. Three and a half months and counting. And the other level is they could fire Chris Finch in season. Now, there's nobody on the bench right now. And I'm not even... I, I'm not even really there yet, but I want to I want to go down this path with you because I okay. noticed the same body language things. <sighs> the guy that we have talked about all season as the hey, I mean, uh, he's sitting out there if you're interested, if he's interested, Quinn Snyder. Mm-hmm. Who took Rudy Gobert teams to multiple 50-win seasons, took took them on playoff runs, right? Mm-hmm. Mike Conley was part of some of those teams for a few years. Well, he just signed with the Hawks on a 5-year contract. He was your obvious answer. Now, maybe he would have told you part of the reason I quit Utah is because, <laughs> A, I saw the writing on the wall. They were going to blow it. Danny Ainge told me they were going to blow yeah. it up. But, B, I just kind of got sick of coaching Rudy Gobert. I don't know. I'm making that mm-hmm. up. I'm not inside uh, Quinn Snyder's head. 
but he would have been the easy, in-season, available, obvious choice to replace Chris Finch. He signed with the Hawks. There's nobody else on that bench. The Wolves don't... A lot of these other teams have... They have a guy in waiting. They have a Lawrence Frank who's coached before. They have a Kenny Atkinson. Like, they've got guys who've been NBA coaches before, right? The Wolves have nothing close to that on their assistant coaching staff, unless I'm forgetting someone. Really, like, Pablo Prigioni coached a year in Europe. He's fairly recently retired from being an NBA player with the Knicks and some other teams, like, Mm -hmm. five years ago. But I don't know that... If you felt like extracting Chris Finch from the situation and just putting a new voice and face out there as an interim would help spark something, like that would be such a desperate level uh, lever to pull. But I noticed the same things you do, dude. Like he's just kind of a dud on the sidelines. He's not, it doesn't feel like he is in control of what's happening. Bingo, bingo. That's the thing. When he took over, like everyone thinks this is a mess. I would argue it's not as much of a mess maybe as what he took over when he replaced Ryan Saunders, right? Um, like, obviously, Gerst kind of had Ryan in his puppet role or whatever, and then he pulls him out and brings in his guy. And Chris Finch just came in, didn't know anyone. I mean, I always remember Chris Finch didn't play Jaden McDaniels for a while because, like, I don't even know who this is. And he just had to acclimate to his players, and he was just like, I don't – no expectations. We're just going to throw – I think he literally said, we're going to throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks. And it was really cool. Chris Finch is one of the two or three best coaches this franchise has ever had. But it's, it's fair, something it's fairly low bar. Maybe. Again, yes, the bar is laying <laughs> on the ground. But it it it's weird because it does seem like whether it be the expectations or it can't be the roster. Like, because now you're starting to like, I know Chris Finch was pretty excited about the Gobert thing. Chris Finch was very excited about like Nikhil Alexander Walker. Uh, he really likes Austin Rivers. Like this roster. Jaylen, now- he's, J- he put dude, he put Jalen Noel on a mantle before the season saying this franchise is going to go with these young players, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, Jalen Noel, right? And and he just doesn't have the same, as I say this with this tan face from white, he doesn't have the same color pigment right now of like, he just looks so, and as you said, he looks like he's out of control. Behind the scenes, people love him. He is still a very good coach. He's, you know, practices on the players love him. They look up to him. But I think I went from joking or like it being a bit to like, hey, could you just get kicked out of a game just just for me or for me and Phil to like, I think it's like a bleeping requirement now just to show that you have a pulse, right? Like, and maybe he doesn't feel behind the scenes, like maybe he's been assured from ownership. Like we're not, I mean, they just all signed extensions. Um, To your point about who's on the bench, I think it's a really good one. I also like, I didn't know Will Hardy's name in Boston. I just knew Ime Adoka was like, came in and had this great staff and was doing things. But then he gets let go, right, for his situation. And by the way, now that Quinn Sanders off the board and people want to fire Chris Finch, like, there is no way in hell this franchise is bringing in Ime Odoka. Okay, the new ownership was very much in play for pushing Gerson Rosas out for his extramarital affair that he had. They're not going to yeah. bring in a coach now that was let go for the same reasons. But I didn't, I didn't know who was on Ime Odoka's bench, and now Will Hardy is the coach of the Jazz, and another one of the assistants is coaching the first-place Celtics. So could Mike and Nori do it? Maybe. But it all comes back to Phil, and this is where – this is going to be your sweet spot. <laughs> if you can't – firing Chris Finch and eventually maybe trading Carl Anthony Towns. If you start just if, – if the Gobert trade – if we look back 30 years from now, we're like, the Gobert trade was the mistake. The D'Lo trade was good. Kyle Anderson – Signing was good. 
uh, whatever else was good, um, but it was the Gobert trade that was a mistake, then you need to like let this season play out, season from hell. I still am very confident they make the play-in game. We should have at least one fun hold-on-to-your-butts game. Um, and then reassess everything. Because the smartest people in business or tech or you're in it, whatever, like realize a mistake early and like we'll cut our losses. If you now fire a good coach because the Gobert thing maybe just isn't working, or you trade Conley Towns for a bunch of role players and picks and bring down the talent level on this team because the Gobert trade's not working, that is an that is that is the one way I see Tim Connolly goes down as a worse GM than David Kahn. Mm-hmm. Like if if re, I know this season sucks and last night was so frustrating, but just see what you can get to the finish line. There's not no twenty games left. Although actually there's nineteen games left. I don't want to spring this on you, but fifty wins is still possible. They just need to go nineteen. <laughs> they, had around, no. they had around the table to, to yeah. go 50, 50 is nifty. <laughs> um, get ready for one incredible night of rock. With Static X and Seven Dust. Machine Killer North American Tour. Saturday, May 18th, Myth Live. With special guests, Dope, and Lines of Loyalty. Tickets on sale now at MythLive.com or eTix.com. Don't miss Static X and Seven Dust. I just that that is when you if you make one mistake in life and then you make all your other decisions based on that mistake, that is how you spiral out of control. So I just think they have to get Carl back maybe within a week, see if just his added shooting will help reassess this summer. But that is my one concern. I think Chris Finch is having his worst year in Minnesota. I think he's done more dumb coaching decisions and rotations and sticking to certain guys and playing lineups without scoring or without defense. Um, I know I've kidded about Josh Minot a lot, but I think a 6'10 player who is long and protect the rim and score a little bit would have been helpful last night over, you know, the corpses sometimes of the Bryn Forbeses and the Austin Rivers and stuff. Um, but if you start making more decisions that could be mistakes based off of a mistake you made last July, I think that's, that's the one scenario I see this literally blows up to a level that I've never really thought of. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't even know where to begin with <laughs> like, thinking the... about this offseason. Like, you've kind of brought up all these great questions about if the season ended right now and you knew almost nothing about whether Cat and Gobert can play together, you had like a 20-game sample or something, maybe 30, and you're kind of left with this weird taste in your mouth with Chris Finch and Gobert's fit or lack thereof. I don't know what you... because. Their biggest trade ship this summer is Carl Anthony Towns. He's if you were just looking yep. to like what okay, how can we get as many assets back to put around Anthony Edwards as possible? Mm-hmm. And and also sort of free ourselves from one of these behemoth supermax contracts. Cat would get you the most in a trade. Mm-hmm. Assuming assuming Ant is off the table. Obviously, obviously Anthony right. Edwards would get you the, the most in a trade, but he's off the table. But if you if if you Maybe Cat comes back and it's sort of you know they they flounder a little bit and they they're the nine or the ten seed and they lose in the plane or something, and it's determined that all right we've seen enough to know that this experiment as constructed is just not it's we mistakenly thought it was going to be something else. Mm-hmm. Would you rather trade your biggest trade ship in Carl Anthony Towns and get the most assets back to put around to try and salvage Gobert and put around Anthony Edwards et cetera? 
Or would you rather trade Gobert for like 30 cents on the dollar compared to what you acquired him for? Because I don't need, like if you if you trade a Gobert right now, again, season's over right now. You're gonna go, you're gonna go to the league, you're it's gonna be, you know, summer league, or no, I guess summer league's after free agency, but free agency picks up early Jan, early uh, July. What would a team give you for Rudy Gobert right now? Uh this is where I might lose the listener. I'm still pretty optimistic based on pulling myself out of the Minnesota Timberwolves landscape and just looking around the league. Teams give guys fourth and fifth chances. I think, again, there's 30 teams. 22 of them right now are in the hunt for a title, kind of technically, and one's going to win. And then, like, 29 other fan bases are going to be really pissed off. Or 28. Whoever gets Victor Wembanyama is going to be stoked. Um, some team will come out and want Rudy Gobert this summer. I just really firmly but Hell, maybe Quinn Snyder, to your point about maybe he wanted out of Utah because of Rudy, maybe he loved Rudy. And maybe they're like, you know what? We want to, Clint Capella's not working. We want to bring Rudy down to Atlanta. Quinn's here for five, six years. Like, maybe they'll flip someone for him. Maybe they redo their whole program and trade out Trey Young and do different things. So uh, I still think he has value. I just kind of refuse to believe that, like, as I look around the league and how many teams were dying to bring in Russell Westbrook or that Rudy Gobert just has no value. But um, you, you just can't. I mean, we learned one thing this year. This is Anthony Edwards' team, um, and that he has taken the third-year leap and that they have these two kids under 22 that you can literally build something special around. But you no longer can make moves based on Rudy Gobert's best interests or best needs. Like, it's all about Ant. And if mm-hmm. the move this summer that is the ultimate, like, we put it in our computers and it worked out to be the best move, is to get 30 cents for the dollar on Rudy Gobert, then you do it. You just do it. Like, again, this is all about this kid who has played like a hundred more games than Zion Williamson, <laughs> right? For all the hype and lore that goes with Zion Williamson, mm-hmm. like Ant's played a hundred more games than him. Um, but also to your thing about if the season ended today, that was all the negativity. I feel better. I'm sweating a lot, but uh, <laughs> I actually, I actually yeah. do think like, th- you know, they, they, this, they still have a chance here and this isn't optimistic. It's just, it's more about what the rest of the league is doing. Every night a team chokes, like the, the West from 5 to 13 is crazy. They all have to play each other. Um, it's not going to get any easier for the Wolves. Uh, they play the Clippers on Tuesday at the Lakers, at the Kings. But they do finish with, and I think this is worth keeping an eye on, but the last game of March is at home against the Lakers. Um, and then it's Blazers, Nets, Spurs, Pelicans. That's a lot more winnable than like we thought a month ago. Um, I still think this team is going to make some noise in the playoffs. Um, but you just have to bigger picture. It finally hit me when I was literally just floating in the Pacific ocean. Like, okay, they have a lot of questions to address this summer and they make, they need to make sure they get them right. And they can't be all based on past moves or past mistakes. Yeah. Yes. Every, everything that has happened at this point is it's a sunk cost, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't, if, if you decide, cause to me, the number one question is what are the pieces that fit around Anthony Edwards the best? Mm-hmm. And then you start making a checklist. Okay. Is, is Rudy Gobert one of like Jaden McDaniels and even statistically fits mm-hmm. well with Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. position wise fits well with age wise. Okay. Rudy Gobert. Does Rudy Gobert fit going forward now? A year ago, I could justify the age thing by saying, well, every team Rudy's been on has been a playoff team, basically, and half of them are 50-win teams. 
his defensive presence makes you a lock for the playoffs. And if Anthony Edwards is a lock for playing in playoff series the next few years, awesome. And then after the contract is over, four years down the road, three years down the road, Anthony Edwards will be emerging into his prime having played in a bunch of playoff games. That can still happen. Mm -hmm. Maybe not at the level this season that we had thought, saying like 50 wins. But if he can get get into a playoff series, get some more experience. But those two guys have played 1,225 minutes together on the court this year. Per 100 possessions, they are a net minus one point. So they are a, they are a net minus having played over 1,000 minutes together. Is that enough long-term to determine that they really can't be paired together and, and be a winning combination? I don't know. There's so many other variables, other players on the court with you, lineup combinations, etc. But if you determine objectively, without worrying about what you gave up for Gobert, without worrying about anything else, that Gobert and Anthony Edwards are oil and water in the way that the Jazz determined that uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert became oil and water, although they determined that in a different space. They were mm-hmm. like, we're trying to go from second round of the playoff to championship. Mm-hmm. Those guys worked well enough together to get us to 50 wins in second round. When it comes to championship, we've hit a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. The Wolves are trying to get to the playoffs with that combination and are grinding at this point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like That's the one thing that's disheartening is we don't even know if those guys play well together. Or maybe we do, and the answer is they don't. <laughs> yeah, and that's what makes this a season from hell is that we spent four months not even really talking about Ant, hoping that he would make a third-year leap and understanding that it might be a year-four thing. This was all about, in July 3rd through October 7th, like, the you know, the, the Twin Towers, the Target Centers, all that stuff. And because of Carl's injury, and I know it's been really frustrating for people, my two cents, I don't report anything, but just being back and talking to people, it was about as serious of a grade three calf strain as it gets and the, I mean, again, I think everyone and their uncle thought that dude tore his Achilles on a late November night against the Wizards. And the fact that, I mean, that's something, if you ever want to think, could it get worse? Yeah. If Colin Kevin, Towns were to tore his Achilles Durant situation. and been out for 18 months, you wouldn't even have that lever to pull this summer, right? Yeah. You would just have no levers. Um, I do think he'll be back. I think he wants to play. Even if it's the last 10 or 15 games, you have to put him out there. And maybe, I mean, you're not worried about sabotaging this season because you sabotage, not sabotage, but you went from D'Lo to Conley. That was the smart long-term move. But again, I just think D'Lo gave you a little more short-term for this team. Same with Carl. Like, is is this team better playing four out with Rudy to protect the rim? I don't know, maybe, but you have to put Carl out there. Um, But, you know, to kind of wrap up my venting session on this, it's like there's also a chance too, Phil, that having Chris Finch as the coach, and having Rudy Gobert as the center, all these other pieces, and Carl being out, is why Anthony Edwards made a leap. Is why Anthony Edwards was... Last night, there was a cool moment where I think Austin Rivers, uh, Macaroni Tony, hit a three, and Ant sprinted off the bench during a timeout to, like, dap him up and, like, mm-hmm. was leading the timeout. Um, there's a chance that some of these things that I'm venting about or you're, you know, we're complaining about also directly forced Ant to grow up and become an all-star, and that'll benefit this all long term. But I've just, this was all about to me, like I've seen so much trade cat stuff, trade Rudy, fire Chris Finch. And whatever you do, maybe one of those is the option. Maybe that happens this June, July. It has to center around helping this kid. Because all of a sudden, when that kid subs out, this team looks 
bad, <laughs> for better yeah. or worse. And when he doesn't bring in on a night like last night, and he was bad, this team all of a sudden just doesn't have a lot of firepower. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and that that is the one area, obviously, like D'Lo can get shots off, and D'Lo can create his own offense better than anybody else that would be out there last night, not named Anthony Edwards. And so part of the gamble I think the Timberwolves were were making was, okay, we're going to trade D'Lo. It's a little problematic offensively in the short term because Mike Conley's not going to create shots like D'Lo can. But we believe that Mike Conley is going to be a better facilitator once mm-hmm. Cat gets back. He's going to make Cat and Gobert better. He's going to be able to, you know, get Ant some open looks. But in the meantime, until Carl Anthony Towns comes back, you don't have that second that second score. And like we've already kind of alluded to the schedule here, but um and we can wrap on this here, but <laughs> dude, they were supposed to go on paper 3 and 0 against Washington, Charlotte at home and then a depleted Golden State team, right? You would have said that's a minimum two and one, ideally three and zero stretch of basketball. And had they, they go, had they, again, this is just glass half full, glass half empty. Phil and I are being honest with the standings. Had they have just gone three and zero in that stretch, and don't talk about the future, they would have been in sole possession of the four seed. That you know, what I mean, I just went off for an hour, and we're just mm-hmm. like everything sucks. Those two winnable home games, and then this Warriors game where you pretty much outplayed them for forty five minutes, you be the Four seed after Dude, everything that happened. Now I'm going I'm to depress you even more. Here we go. Let's say you lose those three games, okay? Inexplicable, you lose those three games. But earlier in the year, instead of going, well, they've lost eight games. I, I was going to say 0 and 8, but they, they've lost eight games against the five worst teams in the NBA. <laughs> instead of 0 and 8 in those eight games, what if you go just 5 and 3? Just win five of those games. Go beat the Pistons a couple times. Beat the Hornets, right? And you still have the cushion to lose those three games. No, you just did. Your record would be 36 and 27, also sole possession of fourth place in the Western Conference. It's like, that's what's mind numbing about and, this. And it's I like, think that's why this, doing? Is, this podcast is just you and I just screaming at clouds, <laughs> is because it's not, it's, I, I go back to this all the time. I watched a professional NBA team in the salary cap era say Luke Ridenauer you're our best chance at two guard. That was rock bottom for me. When they would start, you know, uh, I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Jelly Ball. This kid from France. Like, go back and look at some of those rosters when the Timberwolves started guys who couldn't even play for my beloved Shanghai Sharks. Mm-hmm. This is way more frustrating because we're not, I'm not, Conley Towns, man, missed 50-some games. I am not expecting you to be a th- the top three seeds in the West. Mm-hmm. But had you just simply major literally major free throws last night they missed like 11 had you major free throws and beaten the pistons at home when they wanted to go to new year's or beaten the wizards when they were one foot in cancun it would be so much easier and you'd be so much more respected and this team for whatever reason top to bottom historically just does not ever want to embrace easy ever that's and everything you just said too is is more reason to kind of look sideways at finch and be like okay lack of focus and and killer instinct against the Pistons, against the Hornets, against the Wizards at home has been the biggest problem for this yep. team, you know, now being tied for the 9-10 seed and could be the 4 seed. Um, why are you guys so lackadaisical? Why are you guys so nonchalant against some of these bad teams? Some of it's you want the players to be professionals 
and to just take care of their business and have some pride and play like they're down by 10 all the time instead of coasting when they're up by 20. But some of it's the coach. Yep. Some of it's the coach. I just thought they're, they're, you know, go look at the top five or 10 coaches in the NBA. Go look at the Spolsters. Go look at the Steve Kerrs. Do those teams get smoked on certain nights? Absolutely. Are they going to lose eight games? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone can say, actually, the Heat have lost nine of those same teams. <laughs> I don't think that's the case, though. Uh, we can put our uh, our research staff on it. There's also a chance, too, to circle all the way back to the top and to close this one out, that this is our fault. Because we didn't do a pod in a week and a half, and all <laughs> they did was lose basketball games. I think we were uh, at the highest of highs after Ant and Jaden shut down Ky- uh, Kyrie and Luka to, beat, to win that Mavericks game to go to 31-29. and 29. And then selfishly, you and I just focused on our lives, and the Wolves never won again. So yeah. I'm done focusing on me or my wife. Uh, it's all about this team for the next six weeks, and uh, let's see. 19-0, we can still do it. We're not mathematically out of 50 it's, as nifty. It starts so don't with 1-0. cancel just, it yet. You go 1-0 go on Thursday against it's, – it's Clipper season here. Clipper season, or Tuesday, I guess. They play on TNT, nationally televised game. Have some pride. Go 1-0, then go beat the Lakers on Friday. They're going to spend the whole week in Los Angeles, though. I'm a little bit worried that they're going to I'm for, give me some I know, trouble. and now like everyone's above 21, basically, except for Josh Minot. So I'm pretty <laughs> frightened about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, go. This Clippers team has played, I think, back to back like overtime, double overtime game. Kawhi's knees have just got to be like ribs. You leave in the air fryer for six hours. So you have another winnable game on Tuesday on national TV, TNT. You get don't have to travel much this week. So uh, we'll see. This team. In their defense, they are great post-game and pre-game. They say all the right things. They know how to feed, you know, Finch said it uh, before the Hornets game. Man, the guys had a lot of juice. Yeah. I don't know where that juice went. I don't know what flavor it was, but it didn't come out on the court. Um, But the season is not over. The season is not lost. Even a season from hell can still be rectified by, for example, sweeping all the West Coast teams this week. So um, we're back, you and I. Thanks uh, Thanks again for everyone that listened and let me vacay with my family a little bit but um we'll be here to either sharpen our knives or hold people's feet to the fire regardless that's my dull this episode <laughs> of flagrant house all right that's a wrap uh your favorite timberwolves lifestyle podcast here please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on apple podcasts and we'll see you guys later this week on flagrant house